If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. episode 211 of the Leading Learning Podcast, where we talk with Grant Aldrich, the founder and CEO of OnlineDegree.com. Before we dive into the interview, we want to make sure that listeners know we offer a range of resources beyond the podcast. One of those is our regular webinar series. Our webinars are free, and like all of our resources, they focus on topics that will help you increase the reach, revenue, and impact of your learning business. To find out more and register for upcoming webinars, visit leadinglearning.com slash webinars. Now, Jeff, you had the pleasure of talking with Grant. What did the two of you discuss? Well, as you mentioned, Grant is the leader of onlinedegree.com, and it's really a very mission-driven company. The mission is to make higher education more accessible and affordable for everyone. So we talk about how Grant arrived at that mission and some of the approaches he's pioneering that disrupt the traditional tuition model. We also discuss the value of traditional degrees in today's world, particularly as compares to options like certificates and certification. And we touch on the dynamics of the whole market for adult education and credentials. Now, very relevant to listeners here, the main audience that OnlineDegree.com serves is working adults. So people who need to reskill or upskill or who may never have had the time or opportunity to earn a college degree in the first place. And that's an aspect of the market for adult lifelong learning that uh, we haven't really tended to focus on much here at Leading Learning, but one we plan to focus on more going forward. In general, Grant is a very seasoned and thoughtful entrepreneur, and I think listeners will get a lot of value out of hearing his perspectives. What reflection questions do you have to offer to go along with this episode, Jeff? And as a reminder, listeners, you can always find the reflection questions in the show notes. And for this episode, those are available at leadinglearning.com slash episode 211. Right. Well, first, Grant and I discuss that taking the first step to participate in education is often the hardest part, and that's particularly true for working adults. And it applies not just to degree programs, but to all forms of lifelong learning. So as you listen, ask yourself, how do we help our learners, particularly those who have not participated in our offerings before, take that first step? And then next, the business model for OnlineDegree.com is based on removing barriers, tapping learners' own motivations, and shifting where monetization occurs. So think about your own model and consider whether there are aspects of the OnlineDegree.com business model that might point to new opportunities for you. Well, those sound like great questions to get the entrepreneurial wheels spinning in our listeners' minds. And so with that, let's roll the interview with Grant Aldrich. I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. For this episode, I'm very happy to be joined by Grant Aldrich, the founder and CEO of OnlineDegree.com. Grant, welcome to Leading Learning. Jeff, thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to continue a conversation we started before this interview. I was very interested to learn about your story and what brought you to launch a business like OnlineDegree.com. And I'd love for you to take just a moment and share some of your story with listeners. Yeah, uh, of course. 
Well, I I think that really where my story starts was that I was a internet entrepreneur for my entire career for about 15 years. And I was lucky enough to see some success and exit a few of those companies. And prior to which I was not in education. But after being around for a while and, um, you know, after having, you know, those events, I was, again, fortunate to have a period of introspection to ask myself, you know, what do I really want to do and what do I really want to achieve? And so I had a couple different missions, one of which I, I, I very much want to spend a lot of time with my family. And uh, that drives me, um, you know, that's a big driver in my life. And then also, I wanted to f- solve a very big problem. And my mm. family has always been in education. So I grew up with um, education being a, a dinner table conversation my entire life. Um, and when I also let, you know, as part of this introspection, it, um, it became very apparent to me that the, the debt that I had accumulated after college um, and only paying off, you know, many years later also had left an indelible mark on me. And so really that created, I think, the, the perfect opportunity for me to be doing what I wanted to do and, um, yeah, and getting started about two, two and a half years ago. And so... I know you were involved with, um, you know, some other startups uh, be- before this. Um, can you t- tell us maybe a little bit more about, you know, how you landed on OnlineDegree.com as, as the, the the thing that you needed to do? Um, and, uh, and also t- tell us a little bit more about how it all works, um, you know, what, what the business model is, you know, what, what you're actually providing in terms of value and, and you know, how you might ultimately uh, be generating revenue off of it. Yeah. Well, I, I think your listeners would be interested in what we're doing for, for two reasons. The first is our mission statement. And we're trying to make college more affordable and accessible for everyone. And that's a big statement. And we've been getting some great traction and success in what we've been doing. And I'll describe you know, how we're doing that. And, and the second thing that is very interesting is that we completely dispensed with the tuition model mm. in trying to pioneer kind of a new model to, be, to pay and monetize the entire operation um, and solve a lot of the inherent problems with the tuition model. So that's, I think, you know, it's a kind of a, a summary of where to go, and I'll describe what we're doing. I had seen that for working adults, they, they're estimated to be about 35 to 40 million in the U.S. who are looking to go back to school or upskill. They're not taking that first step. So I was looking at this problem, and I said, wow, um, it's a huge group. And, you know, in terms of the macro trends, it's only going to become more problematic, and demand's going to become higher as globalization and automation become more prevalent, there's going to be a, a, a real crunch for, for jobs. So I really looked at that issue. And I think my wife at the time uh, crystallized this when she told me she, you know, she was talking about it and she said, you know, because she was a stay-at-home mom. And she said, well, you know, from a stay-at-home mom's perspective, what am I supposed to do if I, I'm trying to save money and I've got very little time I can't leave the house that often on a schedule. What am I supposed to do to go back to school? And I thought, you know, I said, wow, you nailed it. But it, that's not just a problem for stay-at-home moms. That's a problem for every working adult. So really what we came out to do is at onlinedegree.com, 
what we've the way the 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 plan that we've laid out is that someone can come on and get started in 60 seconds taking as many college level courses as they'd like and we've organized articulation agreements with universities across the country where they could receive credit for those courses towards their degree then we've gone above and beyond that and organized tuition discounts for the students that they can take advantage of as long with coaching and support throughout the whole process and we do it all for free. I mean, you're basically providing the the doorway, the open door into being able to pursue um, lifelong learning. Because like you said, a, a lot of people get kind of stymied. They, they know it's something they need to do. It's, uh, it's something they want to do in, in many cases. But having a clear way to take that first step is, is often that, you know, many people can't figure out how to do that. I, I think you nailed it. That's it. It's that... You know, as 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 all as as adults, we can all appreciate the fact that there's a number of things that, as we get older, become more problematic. I mean, one, we get more responsibility, um, children, jobs, you know, all these things, you know, purchases, all of these things that um, take a large portion of our time. So, time is an important thing. Then, of course, there's the um, the psychological anxiety where people are you know, scared of new things or scared of going back into a classroom. And so that creates um, a lot of inhibition. And then finally, there's the financial aspects. You know, It's a big leap to say, okay, I'm going to go through this process, find a school, and I'm just going to start paying for it. And so you, know, you really have all of these impediments that this was designed to solve. And so someone can essentially wade into the pool as opposed to jumping in. And we've seen a great success because, you know, people for years will sit around and say, oh, yeah, I've, I've wanted to go back to school, but they never take that first step mm-hmm. uh, because of it. And so then I think that's what we're really we're, we're providing that catalyst for people to go back to school. If you're looking for technology that will make it easier for your learners to take that critical first step, check out our sponsor for this quarter. Community Brands provides a suite of cloud-based software for organizations to engage and grow relationships with the individuals they serve, including association management software, learning management software, job board software, and event management software. Community Brands' award-winning crowd wisdom learning platform is among the world's best LMSs for corporate extended enterprise and is a leading LMS for association-driven professional education programs. Award-winning Freestone, Community Brands' live event learning platform, is a leading platform for live learning event capture, webinars, webcasts, and on-demand streaming. Find out more at leadinglearning.com slash communitybrands. And now back to the interview as Jeff and Grant discuss the value of degrees in today's world. And so... You know, the, the, the name of your business is uh, onlinedegree.com, so there's that degree factor in there. Uh, but I'm wondering about, you know, your perspective on that. Is, is a degree necessarily, you know, where people need to end up with this? Um, or is it just, the, you know, the process and, and getting some of the education that might lead towards a degree? And I ask that because, you know, economists will, will still tell you, the data is still there, that having a college degree, having an advanced degree still gives people an edge in life. But there is this, you know, kind of rising conversation about the the return on investment for a, a college degree and, you know, whether it's declining, whether degrees are really what everybody needs. What's, what's your perspective on that? 
Well, I think you bring up a great point, which is the the cost benefit, because I think that when you look at the situation, that is the key thing that has become out of balance and caused this this wave, this this huge shift in the marketplace and in people's um, perception of getting a degree. So, for example, I, I agree that in many cases now, it's not always necessary to have a degree. And I think we've seen that, that people can be very successful in a, on a wide range of fields. At the same time, though, I think the economists are, are, are correct as well in that in many of the fields where you do need that um, in kind of the broad marketplace, it is still a benefit because it is going to get more competitive for jobs and it's still not something that's going to go away. But I think that the reason why we've seen this shift in that people are open to alternatives and that you've got a lot of higher education alternatives emerging that people find very popular is because the cost benefit analysis is no longer there. I mean, the, you know, the, the cost and the requirements on your time to get a degree are so great that most people are not willing to do it. But I think if you were to ask the normal average person, you know, would you want a degree or would you want, you know, X, Y, and Z alternatives? I think that they, you know, in a perfect world with no consideration for cost or time, I think that they would all say, I want the degree. And I think that's really what we're trying to bring back into balance to make that a reality for so many more people. And I mean, I think I, I agree that, um, a degree would uh, still be the, the gold standard. I'm sure you're right. Most people would say that. Um, but I mean, we are also in a day and age where, um, you know, good, strong certificate programs, uh, certifications, uh, you know, other, other forms of validation, you know, of having gone through the appropriate uh, education can also work very, very well for people. And I think more and more people are tuning into that. And I, I don't think this is really part of your business model right now. I mean, in those articulation agreements that you have with colleges and universities, I'm assuming that's primarily aimed at degrees, but a lot of universities are getting into the, you know, the certificate, uh, the, the boot camp type model. Obviously, a lot of trade and professional associations do that type of thing. And we've got a lot of listeners um, from that world. Could you see your business model evolving to to focus in on, say, you know, um, certification programs or, you know, very strong certificate programs that, that people could also be using the educational resources you provide. And I want to get to those in just a minute as well. But uh, is, is that uh, a place you could see online degree evolving to? Yeah, absolutely. We actually are, and we we already have. So one of the things is that um, so as part of the articulation, normally that applies to all the different certification programs that each school offers. Because because ultimately, I think you're right. I think that another big problem that we saw, you know, you know, over the last 10, 15 years, is the overprescription uh, of getting a degree. And for many people, it's not necessary. And I think you're right. You know, and I think that also kind of dovetails back into the fact that of another problem we're trying to solve, which is that most, there's no good third party unbiased resource for working adults to provide any kind of guidance or support. Mm. We have that, you know, we have this apparatus at the high school level for people who, uh, you know, with counselors and all this support that they receive to help determine, you know, what steps they should take for their career. But for adults, it's it's non-existent. It's not at least not in a bit scalable, fully accessible way. You know, how does someone like that, you know, the layperson come in, really take stock of the entire situation, all of the options out there, 
um, that we all know, but you know, I think we take for granted in how much we know and really make sense of it all to, to, to carve their path. So no, ultimately I agree with you and, uh, it is definitely part of something we're doing. And now if I understand correctly and you can, you know, correct me if I'm off on this, um, a, a big part of your model or really the, the foundation of your model relies on there being basically free educational resources out there, uh, open education resources available from, you know, various universities, uh, you know, some have taken the lead in this, like MIT um, comes to mind. But the fact that, you know, people can access college lectures, uh, university lectures, uh, and, and everything that goes with them online and, and, and go through those without having to pay anything for them. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I feel like years ago I was hearing a lot about the open education resource movement um, in, in a variety of different ways. And I may just be tuning into different cha uh, channels now, but I don't feel like I hear as much about it even though the big MOOCs are, are out there, the massive open online courses, and I guess, I guess they really are driven by these open education resources. But what, what's your perspective on where we stand with open education? And, and, and also, am I right in, in saying that's, that's critical to, to your model? Yeah, absolutely. It's not only critical for, for our model, but I think it's critical to, for everyone and to help bring down the cost of education and to provide, um, I think, um, greater education, like more beneficial education. And so in our case, you know, we, uh, let me take one step back in that if you're, if you have a model where you're going to make everything free, you have to do some pretty interesting things in terms of structuring it so that you can lower the costs of the course creation and, and certain things that are normally heavy, heavy, require heavy investment. So one of it was, yeah, we utilized OER. I'm a huge fan of open source and we were able to, to utilize all well, that to bring the costs way down. And to your point, I think a lot of the problems that we've been seeing with a lot of the open source material coming out of, let's say, MIT and Harvard and these places is that although they've made it open, the licensing on it is not open. Mm. So for example, you know, some uh, groups cannot utilize the MIT course content um, to in a commercial way or to build upon it. And so that's been very limiting. And I think that that's been one major problem, not to get too far in the weeds of that. But I think that the OER movement is growing and is amazing. But I think a lot of the big schools have not really taken the big steps in terms of the licensing to make it truly open. And that's a big problem. And for, for us, um, we've utilized in our course creation a lot of, um, we have an excellent uh, academic advisory board and our professors um, created a lot of the content themselves, but then also interweaved a lot of the available open source content to make a great learning experience. So no, I think it's a, a key thing and something we support. And so that's interesting. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you've, so you've got professors working with you, um, so you you are the source of at least some of the content that's kind of flowing through onlinedegree.com. Is, is that correct? Correct. So I would say about 70% of it okay. is from, from uh, is our original content and the remaining 30% is, uh, is OER. Okay. And the, the whole licensing problem um, that you highlighted with uh, these big universities, I mean, is that, 
is that a result of, it seems like, and this may be part of the reason that I'm saying I don't feel like I hear quite as much about OER anymore. It's because most of these big universities are now uh, under the, the the flag of like a course era or an edX. Um, so they've sort of been, um, and, and even though, you know, those are openly accessible in, in many ways, they've sort of been corporatized, uh, it, it seems like. Um, is, is that part of the root of that problem or is it just other policies that those institutions have? Well, I think that's correct. Ultimately it's because of their, their commercial interests, because, you know, for, for something to be truly open source, you provide the content, whether that's, you know, programming code or, or course material, you have to make it completely open because, you know, you don't want to limit how people utilize that content. And of course, there's certain rules that you have to follow like attribution and you can't lock it up after it's, it's, it's a whole culture and a whole system that's worked very well in software. So bringing that to education, I'll give you an example, one of the limitations. So let's say with MIT, they provide all these amazing courses, but they provide a limit or they, they stipulate limitations on being able to use it commercially. So for example, unless you are a, another a nonprofit entity and you're not going to be making money on it, you can't utilize those courses. And you may say, well, isn't that okay? But at the same time, it then precludes a lot of groups who can come up with really creative ways to come into the marketplace and um, make it more accessible and lower the price of education like we're doing. And, and we're, we're not able to utilize that. And of course, from their perspective, that's by design. Mm -hmm. They don't want those people utilizing it. That's interesting. And it, I mean, it points to kind of a bigger, uh, both, you know, issue and, and opportunity, I, I think right now, which is that this whole market for adult education and, and, and probably education in general, I don't, know as much about the K through 12 market, but I know this is happening in higher education. It's certainly happening in continuing education and professional development, but it, it has become much more commercial um, than it was in the past. There's a lot more competition. We're seeing a, a, just a real renaissance in you know, venture capital flowing into particularly the ed tech uh, market, but just you know, uh, education in general. And, and we're seeing it happening now in the lifelong learning sector, um, kind of, you know, it's been doing that in, in, in K through 12 and higher education for a while. But I mean, things are things are really heating up. It, it's, it's kind of an exciting time. But at the same time, you know, you're going to have folks saying, well, you know, education shouldn't be commercialized. Education shouldn't be part of, you know, capitalism, really. It, it should be a, a social good. Um, I mean, what's what's your perspective right now on kind of the dynamics in the education market, uh, you know, what, what's kind of valid, what, uh, what's acceptable, what's not in terms of uh, commercializing access to, to education? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I think everything that you've described is, is, is absolutely true. There is this now um, revival and run, uh, coming back to ed tech investing. And, and, you know, but still a lot of investors want to stay away from it. And because of the, the challenges that, the, that they're seeing. And, you know, ultimately, I think that all of us and all the listeners would agree that everything about even the nonprofit education world is about money. Mm -hmm. And it's a sad thing to say, but, you know, it's, it's not that the people within those organizations don't have, 
you know, different motivations and really care about education. They want to remove that aspect. But all the way the universities behave is is definitely very um, financially focused. And I think that I think to to ignore that is is a little naive. And 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 also, there's nothing wrong with bringing capitalism and commercialism to an industry. You know, is there? Um, you know, if you look at other industries, right, is there anything wrong with certain companies providing a great service that people are happy for, including could be education or could be, um, you know, a piece of software you buy? I don't see any issue with that. I don't see that there is this, um, this conundrum. I think what's happened, though, is because of some of the bad actors in the space with and some of the things that were done with for-profit education, I think we saw a challenge. But I would argue that really what enabled that bad behavior is because of government's um, role within the student loan. Mm. Because if that wasn't, if that didn't exist, then those companies couldn't have done what they've done. So I'm actually a very big open market kind of person, and um, and I and I do feel that if a company is doing something well and making people happy, they succeed. And if they're not, and they're doing something. Um, nefarious or, or, or if they're doing something that people don't want eventually, uh, and usually very quickly, the market responds. And I think, you know, right now, um, it, it, I'm, I was so fascinated to, to connect with you and, and to see what you're doing with, um, online degree, you know, because you obviously are in sort of in the thick of, uh, of the market, um, and, uh, and have come up with, um, an, an innovative business model really for, I think leveraging uh, educational content in a way that probably a lot of people thought really couldn't be made into a business, um, but but you've successfully done that. I'm I'm wondering, you know, as you look out at the landscape right now, and and this this I'm not confining this uh, strictly to to business models um, or you know commercial innovation. Just uh, when you look at what's happening with learning education right now, particularly for uh, adults, um, whether it's in higher education or that sort of uh, longer, you know, lifelong learning market. Uh, what, are, what are some of the trends that, uh, that have you excited right now and that you're looking to as potentially representing opportunities uh, now or in the future? Yeah. Well, you know, and let me, I'll, let me give the listeners too a, a, probably a little bit of an intro on, on how we monetize. Because once we dispensed with the tuition model, which was in my mind a necessity, because if you're truly going to enact massive change and create a totally new platform and system to help people approach higher education, right, that 35 to 40 million, I think you have to cater to the financial impediments in their mind in addition to the psychological and physical mm. and make it free. And by doing so, what's great about that is that when when students come on and they begin taking courses and they learn and they start um, proving to themselves that they've got the time management to be successful at school, that they can be successful in an online format, that they can use a modern LMS, they prove to themselves that they're that they are ready for higher education. But at the same time, they also are more likely to be successful when they enroll at higher education. Mm. And so the way that we make money is that we've, we go and we work with universities on a sponsorship uh, basis and working with us on advertising t- because for them, it's a huge benefit as well. We've got this great audience now where all these students are coming in and they're self-vetting and they're proving to themselves they have what it takes. And then well, we want to be there and we want to be on that platform to um, – 
to discuss our university as well and hopefully um, choose the right kind of students. So we've, we've created almost this, um, this really neat platform where they can also get the type of students that they desire. And that's the, the gist of it. And so and to your point, I think that really what's ex- the most exciting is that our model only exists in the university and higher education's adoption of non-collegiate learning and the value that organizations like um, like us that we provide in vetting um, these kinds of students, really, because that's really what we're doing. If a student's not ready, great. Well, you know, they're 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 not ready on a free platform rather than taking out loans, feeling shame, um, having default rates at the university. So we provide a real value. And the more that universities become um, open to this kind of arrangement and working with non-collegiate or prior learning assessment, I, I think that that's growing. It's very exciting. So you're really um, a form of, of, of lead generation, uh, I guess, for them. Um, I don't know how directly they're able to, to reach out to your users, but uh, but you are kind of pre-qualifying people and then and then showing them the, the, the path to take that further. And, and the universities are finding that uh, very valuable, it sounds like. That's right. Everything is um, completely student-driven. So when a student comes on the platform, they begin learning. We provide all the different pathways that they can go. And with our reps, you know, we also have a, we've got a lot of advisors to help people as well. And the whole goal is, is to say, we've completely created this new system that's student-centric. And I, I bring that up because that's in direct, uh, that directly kind of contradicts the current OPM model, which is university-centric. So right now in the current model, you know, it's almost like an agency. They come in and they, um, their, jo- their goal is, you know, their the client is the university and I'm supposed to go out there and fill as many spots as I can and convince people that this school is the best. Well, I don't like that model at all. So our model is student centric in that a student comes on and we work with them and say, look, there are tons of universities that are, you know, adult friendly. You can apply these courses to, you can even get a tuition discount. No matter where you go, we make money, but we don't have a vested interest in which path you take. So we want to really, truly figure out what's the best fit for you. And so, you know, as we continue to grow, we've had a, a huge adoption from different institutions. You know, I think that we'll be at 100 in the near future, probably within another year and a half. Well, wow, we've really now provided a plethora of options for the adult learner. And again, we, we keep that unbiased student-centric approach. And yeah, it's been working out very well. I mean, they, they, they've, I think all parties have really loved it. We've really tried to create a model where everybody wins. The student who comes on has the explicit intent of going back to school. We help them and we want to help them get there. The universities want students who are a good fit and who are going to be more likely to finish their program. And that's why we try to create the model as such. And you use the acronym uh, OPM uh, just a minute ago, uh, just for, for listeners who aren't familiar with that. Can you, can you define that quickly? Because uh, your, your model obviously is in contrast to that. Of course. And so um, OPM stands for Online Program Management. And these uh, groups are the large, I want to say they're almost like a large specialized vertical agency that comes in with the different universities. And before, these groups were instrumental in coming in and building out a school's online programs. And so they would build out all the online programs and they would also do the recruitment, the retention, and the, you know, the, whole, um, the whole vertical process online. And they would take a lar- very large percentage of the tuition to do so. So now as the market has emerged and you know, the, most schools have 
um, people and the um, ability to build online programs. Really what these groups do now is more recruitment and retention. Mm. And so in their model, yeah, I think that that's one of the models uh, that's broken in that the current OPM model is, yeah, we represent X school and we go out and try to market and fill as many students as possible. And so I don't that I think that doesn't really solve anything for everyone, and it, it creates. Um, and by the way, this isn't just for for-profit schools. Nonprofits use this, and private institutions use this in the exact, exact same way as for-profit. So there's no difference there. And I think that that's why we have a lot of the aggressive marketing tactics. So there really hasn't been, because of the model, a third-party group that says, "No, no, no." Student student model comes first, and you and, and you can choose any of these options. It doesn't matter. Well, thanks for uh, explaining that, and, and thanks for you know uh, being willing to be you know open and, and explain your business model because I, I know uh, that you know student listeners that have tuned into this have, the, the the gears have to be grinding and, and thinking about you know what what the possibilities. Uh, are uh, and and I think that's one of the most exciting things today. There's 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 so much content available online. There's uh, it's so much easier to develop educational content to put online. But you know the standard, you know, put a course out and have somebody pay directly for it. Uh, I, I, you know, I think that model is is getting a little harder. So coming up with some innovative ways to a- approach things, uh, it, it's always good to to hear uh, about uh, other approaches. And I think you've done an excellent job with that at at onlinedegree.com. I would, though, um, before we wrap up uh, what's been a really interesting conversation, like to kind of focus a little bit differently and go to an area that we we like to ask everybody um, who, who comes on the, uh, the 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 show about, and this is you know about your personal learning and specifically, what's one of the most powerful learning experiences you've been involved in as an adult since finishing your own formal education. That's a good question. I, bar none, it would be becoming a father. And uh, I've, um, I have two children with one on the way. And uh, recently, in that, uh, that uh, and I, my first son's birth was right around the time that I started uh, onlinedegree.com. And at the same time, too, that, that period ushered in a, a, a formative learning experience for me in that um, I'm, I'm a big fan of ancient Greece and ancient history. And I love the quote on the temple of Apollo, which was uh, know thyself. And I think that that is one of the key things. And, and, and to provide listeners background who maybe aren't familiar with that, it was the temple of Apollo is the Apollo is the temple of wisdom or the God of wisdom. And the, the rationale was that how could you know anything if you don't know yourself? And I think that that has been a very, well, that's had a, a, a large impact on me because I think that as I've begun to understand myself and learn more about who I am, in addition to my intellectual curiosities across the board, I've become more happy, and I've and I've I've been able to identify what I really want to do and what I'm really good at and what I'm not good at, and the not good what I'm not good at bucket is of course much larger, and so I think that overall it's just made me a better person. Um, by having that renaissance uh, and knowing myself, mm. good good insight. I think uh, you know every every really committed and serious lifelong learner. I think has to put that at the top of their their list. How to 
how to know themselves better. And it's not easy. I mean, there's a lot of research saying that we're not, we're not very good at knowing ourselves. <laughs> so it does take, take quite a bit of work. So kudos to you for, for focusing on that. And, 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 you know, thanks again for being here on, on the show and, and, and sharing your story, what you're doing at onlinedegree.com and, and also just your perspectives about everything that's going on out there right now with adult education. If folks want to find out more, and I'm sure they're going to want to, um, uh, where should they go and, and how could they potentially connect with you? Yeah, well, Jeff, thank you again for having me. I mean, you're you're someone who I admire and look up to in the space, and uh, you know everything you've been writing about about entrepreneurs and what you talk about on this podcast. I'm a huge fan of and love to support uh, fellow people who are you know trying to come up with new ways to uh, educate in the space and, and make money doing it. So hopefully, this was interesting and. Um, you know, to learn more, to, to connect with me, I would love that. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, and that's usually the best place uh, to connect with me. Um, and of course, if they want to learn more about the project and what we're doing, you know, onlinedegree.com is a great place as well. And you can go to our About Us page and see all the different things. But uh, would would love to hear from uh, from anybody who is uh, interested. Well, great, Grant. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on Leading Learning. Thank you. That concludes the interview with Grant Aldrich. To get show notes, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 211. And the show notes will include the reflection questions. One, how do we help our learners, particularly those who have not participated in our offerings before, take the first step? And two, what aspects of the onlinedegree.com business model might point to new opportunities for our learning business? When you check out those show notes, you'll also see various options for subscribing to the podcast. If you're getting value out of what you hear, we'd be truly grateful if you would subscribe as it helps us get some data on the impact of what we're doing. We'd also be grateful if you would take just a minute to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple. That'll put you in the right place. Jeff and I personally appreciate your rating and review, but even more importantly, reviews and ratings help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. And we'd be grateful if you check out our sponsor for this quarter. Find out more about community brands at leadinglearning.com slash community brands. Finally, consider following us and sharing the good word about leading learning. You can find us on Twitter by going to leadinglearning.com slash Twitter, on Facebook at leadinglearning.com slash Facebook, and on LinkedIn at leadinglearning.com slash LinkedIn. We also encourage you to use the hashtag leading learning on each of those channels. Wherever, however you do it, please do follow us and help spread the word about leading learning. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.